0: Before we jump into today's episode of Survivor Sanctuary, I want to let you know that you can become a supporter of this podcast and help offset some of the costs of bringing this podcast to you each week. You can visit anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary, click on donate, and you can give an amount starting at 99 cents a month and going up to $9.99 a month. If you love the podcast and you want to keep new episodes coming to you, then visit anchor.fm slash Sanctuary and become a monthly donor today. More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse, but sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe Welcome back to Survivor Sanctuary. I'm Kelly, and we're ready to kick off another episode. Hope you're doing well, and I want to give you a quick reminder right here in the beginning to join us in our Facebook group. It's Survivor Sanctuary Podcast on Facebook, if you search for that, you can answer a question after you request to join and I'll add you into the group and you can discuss the stuff that we talk about here on the podcast and anything else that's on your heart as a survivor of sexual abuse or an advocate For survivors. Well, last episode of Survivor Sanctuary, we discussed how the church tends to frown upon seeking help or counseling from them, in quotes, uh, meaning people who are in the secular world and outside of the church. So while the church is not doing a good job of helping survivors, they also kind of prevent survivors from feeling good about going to the people who could help them. Well, this sparked an interesting conversation on our Facebook page. And people were commenting on the kind of counseling and the kind of therapy that they received or didn't receive within the church growing up. Everybody has their own experiences with this, and it seemed to strike a chord with quite a few people. And we sort of got into a discussion about biblical or Christian counseling as opposed to you know, going to a secular, anytime I say it like that, I've definitely got the air quotes going up, uh, secular counselors, secular psychologists and therapists. So in this episode, I want to chat about the differences between secular therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists and biblically based counselors. And the first thing I want to mention is that sometimes people kind of put all of these different types of Christian, I'm putting quotes up, counseling into the same group. They lump them all together. Christian counseling, biblical counseling, or what is known as newthetic counseling. And those three things are actually not one in the same, but many people use them interchangeably when they're talking about any form of faith-based counseling. This is not the case, though, because I actually started studying up a little bit on newthetic counseling and biblical counseling. I was never sent to a biblical counselor or newthetic counselor because my parents growing up had no idea that I needed to see a counselor. So by the time I realized that I needed to, I was a grown woman and could make my own decisions. And by that time, I just chose a counselor uh, who, yes, was a Christian. And so I want you to know just right off the bat that I am not anti-faith-based counseling. I chose to go see therapists who were Christians because it sort of gave me a small comfort to know that these counselors at least knew a little bit of where I was coming from. You can really surprise people who have never grown up in like fundamental Christianity they have no idea what you're talking about. And it just somehow comforted me to know that my therapists and my counselors actually understood what I meant when I talked about some of that culture. But I still chose licensed therapists. And my counselor for several years had her PhD in psychology, she was trauma trained and had taken so many courses on dealing with childhood sexual abuse and adult survivors of sexual abuse. It was one of her specialties. And so while I was comfortable seeing a psychologist who was a Christian, I also wanted to make sure that I was seeing someone who knew how to help me with the problems that I was having. So I'm not anti-Christian therapist at all. There are believers who do the work, they get the training, they get the licenses and the certifications. And that's not to say that all of them are perfect, definitely not. But knowing that they're actually licensed really helps. And at the same time, knowing that if there are any missteps, they are answering to the state, they are answering to some sort of authority and have to follow certain rules, and they're regulated and monitored. And that is usually not the case when it comes to biblical or newthetic counseling. So I mentioned that people use these terms interchangeably. Christian counseling can mean so many different things. But when it comes to biblical versus newthetic counseling, newthetic counseling was actually invented back in the 70s by a guy named Jay Adams he wrote a book called competent to counsel and this book was essentially the Bible the authority for newthetic counseling and teaching people how to counsel within the church now he invented newthetic counseling to push back against Christians who thought that they could integrate secular theory into into their counseling. So people were kind of mixing the Bible with psychology. They would use scripture or they would be Christians, but they would also use secular literature and secular studies to counsel their clients. So that was what they called Christian counseling, and they thought it was bad news for the church. So Jay Adams wrote this book, Competent to Counsel, because he thought that we needed to come back to a Bible-based, Christ-centered version of counseling. And the evangelical church literally ate this up. So what is nuthetic counseling exactly? I mentioned who started it, Jay Adams, and his book, Competent to Counsel. But what exactly is it and what does nuthetic mean? Well, nuthetic actually gets its name from a Greek word that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce here on the podcast, but it is translated admonish. So basically, this is like admonishment counseling if you're actually translating the word neuthetic. It means to confront as a friend or to admonish. Now, if you know anything at all about counseling, or maybe you are a counselor, we do have some therapists who listen to Survivor Sanctuary and comment sometimes on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page. But this should set off some warning bells in the minds of anyone who knows anything about how to counsel victims of sexual abuse or survivors of sexual abuse, however you want to refer to yourself. I'm not a counselor, but this is like red flags going up all over the place. Because the first thing that you see is that this kind of counseling is essentially admonishment. And I don't think that any of us, when we think about being admonished, ever think that that is like a kind and caring approach to anything. Usually if you're being admonished, you're in trouble, you've done something wrong, and you're getting an earful about it. That's just kind of the picture that comes to my mind when I think of admonishment and newthetic counseling. If I had to sum up newthetic counseling, I would say it's a strictly biblical method of solving problems, and they and they talk about that. It's problem solving. It's not working through trauma. In fact, newthetic counseling is supposed to be fairly speedy. There isn't all of this, like, let's spend tons of time figuring out, you know, your problem and delving into the issues from your childhood. It's actually something that is, like, focused on problem solving, a biblical solution, And those counselors expect the counselee, that would be you, to change, whether it's by the power of the Holy Spirit or just by following the biblical admonishment that you're being given. And when I've seen descriptions of New Counseling online, I keep seeing things like using God's word the way it was intended to teach, to rebuke, to correct, and to train in righteousness. And that keeps popping up. None of it is like to help people heal. It is to rebuke people for basically doing the wrong thing. If you're being admonished, you've done something wrong. And so when you start with that premise in counseling, and that's what New Counseling does, it's literally called admonishment counseling, essentially. When you start with every problem needs to be admonished, rebuked, corrected, and trained in righteousness, when you start... At that point, there's no way to not place all of the burden for whatever problem a person is experiencing on their own personal sin. There's just not a way to do it. And in New Counseling, uh, there is a definite pushback against, oh, someone else caused my problems and I'm this way because I was mistreated in childhood or because I was abused. And instead, it's like taking responsibility for your own sinfulness, which is why you're in the situation that you're in right now. And while New Counselors usually won't come right out and say, it's your fault you were sexually abused because of X, Y, Z. They're not going to probably say that to people, but essentially the mess you're in right now is because of how you've reacted to being abused and all of the sins that you know, you've know you committed to get yourself to this point. I was actually reading on Facebook just yesterday. So this is not something, it was invented back in the 70s, newtetic counseling, but this isn't something that is dead. Like there are literally... Christian universities teaching newthetic counseling. There is actually an institute for nuthetic studies where people are trained for biblical counseling, newthetic counseling. So I saw this meme on Facebook and it was examples of victim blaming and why women essentially get blamed for everything and the responsibility for having been sexually assaulted back on the woman and some decisions she made or something that she did to cause it to happen to her. Well, a woman left a comment, and I'm just going to read the comment to you. It says, the Bible itself does victim blaming in Deuteronomy 22. God expects both people to be responsible for their own parts if their actions make a difference. While I wouldn't say that these things you've listed are merit for sexual assault, and I'm using a different word than cheated, some of them are just as sinful and sin has consequences. Like she literally said, some of these examples like women dressing provocatively or drinking too much, like these are sins that are just as sinful as sexual assault and sin has consequences. And she goes on to say that sexual assault itself is never the fault of the victim, but the victim does have consequences for their own actions. And of course, everyone who is an advocate or someone who has experienced sexual abuse kind of went on and and just was like laying into this person who left a comment. And I'm thinking, okay, she's just an ignorant like churchgoer and she doesn't know. Come to find out, some people did a little bit of digging and she is actually a biblical or neuthetic counselor. Someone who literally counsels victims of all kinds of abuse, and I'm sure who counsels victims of sexual abuse because she said so in some of her comments trying to defend herself, Um, this is the kind of stuff that survivors Are hearing from her. And I would say that it's crazy, except that it is the premise of newthetic counseling instead of working through an issue from the premise that, okay, you were sexually abused as a child. And I want to tell you right now in no uncertain terms, nothing that happened to you is your fault. Like that's how this should start. Not let me admonish you and let's handle the sin that's got you into the situation that you're in right now. And look, I'm not knocking talking about sin. I'm not anti-sin or pretend sin doesn't exist. Like I grew up in evangelical Christianity. And while I don't agree with everything that I was raised with, I do understand the concept of sin and that yes, all have sinned. So I'm not saying that sin should never be talked about. But when it comes to counseling someone who has dealt with trauma, To begin with, what sin have you committed to get yourself here? It's just awful. It's terrible. So I was reading on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page, and then kind of dove into this black hole online. And you know, when you do that, you Google something, and you keep finding story after story. Before you know it, you spent hours and hours reading all of these articles and blog posts and stories, and. The thing that I kept seeing over and over again when it came to people's experiences with neuthetic counseling was a sense of a hopelessness because you go in looking for answers and what you're told is that your sin is the problem and that's why you're having issues and that's why you're struggling. And this sense of hopelessness was just something that so many people talked about. Like, I had no hope when I left this counselor's office. I had no hope after every session, or I went to a couple of sessions and they declared me well, you know? And people actually talked about how they wished that they could just die after they left a new counselor's office and were driving in the car wishing that a bus would hit them and wondering if they even had a purpose in this world. And Basically, more discouragement and hopelessness than they had when they went in to get the counseling in the first place. And while nuthetic counseling is probably terrible for any kind of issue that you're having in your life, it is especially terrible for a victim of abuse. And here's why. One of the biggest problems with nuthetic counseling for childhood sexual abuse survivors is that it perpetuates so many of the lies that survivors already believe about themselves, that I am the problem. I did this. I caused my abuse somehow. My abuse is somehow my fault. The fact that I can't heal is my fault. If I could just forgive my abuser, I'd be healed. Uh, I don't deserve self-care. I don't deserve care from other people. I don't deserve love. I have no worth. If I could just do more or read the Bible more or be more or pray more, then I wouldn't be continually having these issues. Neuthetic Counseling perpetuates all of those lies that we tell ourselves. And one of the reasons that it frustrates me so much is because this is what I did to myself for years. This is what I tortured myself with. I could not understand why when I would just read scripture and claim God's promises like people told me to and rebuke the devil and like I would just get out the Bible and quote scriptures and I didn't understand why they made me feel sick to my stomach and I didn't understand like being in fight or flight mode even though I couldn't identify it as that. I, I couldn't understand why none of that stuff went away when I would pray more or when I would tell God like I would just I remember just like laying in bed at night and just crying hysterically uh, because the anxiety was so horrible and I couldn't make it go away. And just telling God over and over again, like, I trust you. You know that I trust you. You know that I trust you with my future. And so, like, please just make me stop feeling this way. And you beat yourself up because you're told over and over again that if you had enough faith, you'd be better. And if you would just follow scripture, you'd be better. And like the reason you're not healing from this and the reason you're not getting answers is because your faith isn't strong enough. This is what you're being taught in nuthetic counseling. And it might not be those exact words, but that's essentially what nuthetic counseling is using the Bible kind of as a weapon. And people believe that they're using it the right way, but they're actually using the Bible as a weapon to rebuke people. For having problems. I mean, that's essentially what it boils down to. And I'm sure that there are many more technical definitions. And I will be the first to say I have not read Competent to Counsel by Jay Adams, the inventor of nuthetic counseling. But I don't think that I need to read it after reading a lot of people's like synopses of the book and also personal experiences from nuthetic counseling. And I think that that's what I give the most weight to is personal experiences of of survivors, people who have gone to this kind of counseling and they're left just feeling hopeless and like there's no answer to their problems. And it, it kind of scares me. Um, in one case, uh, a woman said that she went to a new counselor in college. She had been sexually abused and she was just really, really struggling. And they never dealt with the abuser, or her assault. Instead, all of their focus was on what she needed to do. Um, There was no like, okay, let me grapple with these questions that I have or the hurt that I have over this. It was instead, um, here's what you need to do. You need to forgive your abuser. And the way that her counselor would gauge whether or not she had forgiven her abuser was if she talked about the abuse. And like, that is so toxic and horrible. Like, okay, if you're mentioning the fact that you were abused, we're back to square one. If you haven't forgiven your abuser and God requires you to forgive. And this girl was like, you know, her thoughts were so jumbled and she thought she had forgiven her abuser, but she didn't even understand what she was forgiving him for. There were so many things that she didn't understand. And she was taught essentially that she was to forgive, never speak about it again. And that if she would just trust God enough, she would not be experiencing any grief or any doubt or any anger. And none of those feelings like guilt, none of them, like it was all because she was doing things wrong. And I want to say people who overcomplicate like God really bother me. And I feel like that's kind of what counseling like this does like god is only going to heal you from the pain of your past if you figure out this exact right formula and if you get any of this formula wrong you know god is unconcerned with the fact that you're suffering he's just going to ignore you and not help unless you get it exactly right or the way that your newthetic counselor tells you that you should There's nothing wrong with using scripture to counsel a person, and I'm not saying that there is. I am saying, though, that trying to help people through trauma when you're not trauma-trained is dangerous. It's not just dumb. It's dangerous because you're actually risking the lives of the people who are coming to you for help. And Hopefully, when people come to New Counselors, with serious issues and mental health problems and maybe mental disorders, you know, maybe they refer them out to a psychiatrist or a psychologist who can really help them. But I have a feeling they do not do that because there is a lot of literature about Jay Adams. There's been a lot written about him, the inventor of neuthetic counseling. He doesn't actually believe that there's anything such as a mental health disorder he doesn't believe in mental illness. He thinks that everything is a sin issue. So imagine you're a person who has like manic depression or bipolar disorder, or you're schizophrenic, or you have an eating disorder, anything like none of that is a mental health problem. It's all a sin problem and the world calls these mental health disorders but what you really need to do is get to the root of your sin and confess your sins what you need to do is be reprimanded by a thetic counselor and you need to get back in line with scripture. And then all of this stuff will go away, including your bipolar disorder or your schizophrenia or your bulimia. And actually, there was an example that I read of a girl who said that she went to a nuthetic counselor for being sexually abused and confided that she was struggling with bulimia. And she said that her neuthetic counselor essentially treated her bulimia as some sort of selfish diet plan that she decided to go on. Um, bulimia is not a diet, and many people who have suffered from sexual abuse also suffer from eating disorders. But according to Jay Adams, disorders don't exist. Everything is a sin problem. So rather than getting real help for her bulimia and getting to the root cause and getting her help, instead it was like, okay, this is a diet that's unhealthy for you, and you're just just trying to lose weight by doing this. And what does that tell you? It tells you that whoever's counseling her has not been trained – for trauma, for mental health issues, for eating disorders, for any of the things that a survivor of abuse might come to a counselor for. They have not been trained. And so not only is it not helpful to a survivor of abuse, it is also highly probable that it is dangerous To a survivor of sexual abuse. When someone is at the end of their rope, and they're desperate, and they're in need of help, and they go to you, and you don't know how to help them, and you just quote scripture to them and tell them that they're sinning, you really run the risk of doing further damage to this person. And that, according to so much that I've seen, that's heartbreaking about neuthetic counseling, that's what it's doing. It's causing more damage than good. One of the other reasons that was mentioned by Joy, one of our Survivor Sanctuary listeners, uh, she reminded us that a counselor that's just a pastor or who's just biblically trained is only accountable to whatever church structure that they have. But a real licensed professional can lose their license if they violate one's trust or for other unethical reasons. And I think that this is such a good point. Like when assessing the helpfulness of nuthetic counseling for survivors of sexual abuse or any kind of abuse or any kind of mental health issue that they're having, nuthetic counselors are not required to be licensed in their state. They are not required to have credentials. They're not required to answer to any higher authority except for the church that they work for. So there is no reporting them for misconduct. Or filing a complaint with the state, there's nothing that is protecting you. There is nothing that is holding them accountable for your protection. And I think that as much as you know, churches like to be like, "Oh, secular is so terrible." There are systems in place to prevent causing further harm to people who are being counseled, and a newthetic counselor is not under any. Of those rules and regulations. Instead, it's a church, and often it's helpful to the church if the counselor gets the person who was abused to just stop talking about it. You know, this is sin, and that's the reason you want to talk about it, and you're gossiping if you talk about this, and you can't have forgiven if you go on speaking about this. Like, that is very helpful to a church that wants to brush sexual abuse under the carpet or anywhere they can put it besides in the public eye. And that's where it kind of gets to be a slippery slope. It's helpful to this church if a counselor doesn't actually help the person who's been abused. And in fact, they're causing further damage. And to speak uh, once again to the point that Joy brought up, on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook page. In order to be a licensed therapist, in order to have your credentials so that you are licensed and legally allowed to counsel people, uh, you have to do continuing education. There are credits that you need. You have to keep up to date with what's happening in your area of expertise, and your field of practice. There's not just this, oh, I went to school and now I'm done and I'm licensed forever. There are requirements you have to meet in order to keep being a licensed counselor or a licensed therapist. And that's not the case for someone who's trained in nuthetic counseling, because according to the inventor of newthetic counseling, the only issues in the entire world are essentially caused by sin. And so all you need is scripture. And I'm not knocking scripture, but the Bible does not teach us how to deal with an eating disorder. Uh, The Bible does not teach us how to deal with an anxiety disorder. And I'm not talking about worry. I'm talking about an actual like, physical chemical imbalance in the brain. Similar to the way that the Bible does not outline for us how to perform open heart surgery to save someone's life, it also does not outline for us how to fix a chemical imbalance in the brain or changes that have happened in your brain due to suffering from trauma. That's not spelled out for us in scripture. So yes... There are sources other than the Bible that we have to look to when we're trying to help someone who has a mental health issue or a deep emotional issue that is not readily healed by just sprinkling scripture at people. Or in the case of neuthetic counseling, admonishing people, you're like firing it with a machine gun at people to rebuke and correct them because that's what the Bible is all about. You know, you, you've sinned. You've somehow brought this on yourself. And we will quickly fix this by you, you know, submitting to the Lord and reading your Bible more and praying more and just giving it to God more. Jay Adams actually doesn't believe that any truth can be found in non-biblical systems. Because if they're based on something non-biblical, they're sinful and you can't adopt those techniques that grow out of something that started in a non-biblical manner if that makes sense. And that is so dangerous. It's so dangerous because like we mentioned in the last episode of Survivor Sanctuary, if somebody's in a car wreck and they've got broken ribs and internal bleeding and all kinds of damage done to their bodies, you have no problem taking them to an emergency room where a person very non-biblically learned how to save lives and allowing that person to save the life of the family member or friend that you just took to the ER to prevent them from dying. We have no problem with that, with saying, okay, medicine is not biblically based. And in medical school, they don't come at heart surgery from a biblical standpoint. So because it didn't start with scripture, it is impossible that anything that grows out of it can be good. It all has to be bad. And while I'm oversimplifying this, um, that's essentially what is believed. Like there is a distrust of science in euthetic counseling and a distrust of many of the studies that have been done and many of the books that have been written about how the human brain functions and how our emotions function. And because of that, it is really, really difficult to properly treat someone who has survived sexual abuse or who is dealing with some other sort Of trauma. I wanted to talk about this today because I just, um, as I mentioned, it was brought up on our Facebook page and I just believe that this is something that is so damaging to survivors of sexual abuse uh, because it's just perpetuating all of the things we're already telling ourselves, all of the things that we're already struggling with. It perpetuates our shame It perpetuates our self-loathing and it perpetuates that idea that I am unworthy of love and I've done something to cause this. And that's heartbreaking to me. Um, And it does cause hopelessness because you come looking for answers and you're desperate for them and you're miserable and, you know, you're not dealing well with life and you just need help. And what you're basically told is that it's your fault and more shame is heaped on you. One of the comments that I read, and I don't even remember from where it was, that I read while I was researching nuthetic counseling and kind of looking at people's experiences with it was one woman said that she left her counselor, her, her new thetic counselor's office, wondering to herself how many people had killed themselves after talking to this counselor she said that she left feeling hopeless. And because of the deep hopelessness that she felt, she wondered if she should even be alive. And that just crossed her mind. Like, how many people have committed suicide after talking to this counselor? Um, and that's heartbreaking. It really, really is. And I would say, if I could say one thing to the church, it's stay in your lane. You know, if, if somebody comes to you for wise counsel from God's word and they need help with the situation, you know, obviously... I'm not knocking that, that people share wisdom from God's Word and they help each other out with Scripture. I, I'm not knocking that in any way, shape or form. But what I am saying is that newthetic counseling and this like idea of biblical counseling that rejects any form of science or study that is not based on the Bible, has no place, and I mean no place whatsoever in dealing with people who have suffered from trauma. Dealing with people who have gone through abuse, dealing with people who have serious mental health disorders and issues that need to be treated with something scientific like medicine. So, a question that I've received from some listeners to the podcast is How do I find a good therapist? Or, you know, what kind of therapist should I see? Or should I go see someone who's a Christian or who's not a Christian? I would just say, that if your issue is that you have been sexually abused and if your issue is that you have serious problems stemming from the fact that you are a survivor of sexual abuse, if you are dealing with self-harm or self-mutilation, if you're dealing with an eating disorder, if you're dealing with an anxiety disorder, if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with any kind of mental health issue that you need help with, you need to go to somebody who is licensed to practice counseling, and also somebody who has been trained. Like there may be certain therapists that you don't want to go to, uh, say like a marriage and family therapist. If your therapist like spends all of their time dealing with married couples, and that's really their area of expertise, then you may not want to go to a therapist like that for sexual trauma. Um, That's just kind of like, you know, doctors specialize in different things. You're not going to go for a heart attack to see a podiatrist. So you will probably not go to a marriage counselor to be counseled about healing from sexual abuse. And all it takes is asking, hey, are you trauma trained? How much time have you spent dealing with sexual abuse? You know, are your credentials up to date? You ask questions. And advocate for yourself. And if a therapist doesn't seem like a good fit to you for any reason, then you can move on to one that is. But what you don't want to do is be put into a situation because you're pressured by Christians where you can only go to a biblical counselor, or euthetic counselor, someone who has not been trained to help you with the problem that you're having because they can do more harm than good. And with that, I am going to bring this episode to a close. I want to thank you, as always, for listening today. And if you have something that you want to add, I want to encourage you to head to the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. If you're not already a member, you know the drill. You can search Survivor Sanctuary Podcast on Facebook and request to join. You answer one question and I will add you into the group so we can finish this conversation there. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode, and I'll catch you back here next time. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast.